Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Well, the first step after you become a Christian is to baptize them. And here's the formula. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, period. Is there a period there? No, there's a what? That means there's more to follow. This is the problem with the church. Here's what we think Christianity is. Accept Jesus Christ, come down to an altar, go to our prayer room, watch a Billy Graham crusade, kneel down, become a Christian. Awesome. Ask God to come in your heart, repent, terrific. Next thing, I got water baptized. Praise God. See you, Pastor Mark. Many believe that Christianity is a simple set of beliefs that happens to work out the best for specific individuals. Church is commonly viewed as a place to learn about God, and once converted, you no longer need to attend on a regular basis. This, of course, as we'll learn in today's message, couldn't be further from the truth. In our study, Pastor Mark discusses the importance of discipleship in the Christian life. Rather than a simple step, process, or pattern, Pastor Mark teaches us how becoming a Christian is merely the first step of a new and exciting life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 13, with his continuing study entitled, The Benefits of Obedience. Jesus' baptism was a symbol, a lot of things in the Bible are symbols, of his own death, burial, and resurrection. You see, when he was immersed, and baptism is immersion, the Jews knew what baptism was. If you go with us to Israel, you'll see the mikvahs, the cleansing baths that the Jews took. They were immersed, weren't sprinkled, they were immersed. So when Jesus goes down into the water and comes up out of the water, it's symbolizing spiritually what's going to happen. Listen to McDonald. Baptism for him was a ritual symbolizing the way in which Jesus would fulfill all the righteous claims of God against man's sin. His immersion typified his baptism in the waters of God's judgment at Calvary. His emergence from the water foreshadowed his resurrection. By death, burial, and resurrection, he would satisfy the demands of divine justice, in other words, God's justice, and provide a righteous basis by which sinners could be justified. So Jesus' baptism was symbolic of him going to the cross, being put into the ground, and being raised on Easter Sunday morning. Number four, Jesus was baptized to give us an example to follow. If I'm to be like Jesus, then I have to pattern my life after him. So when he came, even though he had no sin, he went into the waters to do two things. One, to show that he obeyed what God said, 
It was a command from God to go down and be baptized. And number two, he was showing us that baptism was very important. Baptism in water would actually be one of the two ordinances that Jesus would leave to the church. There are two ordinances. One is communion, and the second is water baptism. Now, before Jesus goes back to heaven, he leaves this great commandment, this great commission. You see it in Matthew 28. Notice what it says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is a command from God. Let me just stop there quickly and say this. You'll have people today that have this mentality, and and I want to show you how to answer this mentality. People will say to us, especially when you're in the East or as we have more of the Eastern religions coming here to America, they'll say this. Why would you send missionaries to India and China in the place in Thailand, let them have their Buddhas, and why would you force Christianity? Christianity is a Western deal. Well, now, wait a minute. This is Jesus. He's in the land of Israel. Is the land of Israel east or west? Well, it's east. And by the way, Jesus, if what they say is true, here's how it would read. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of those people in America. Well, 2,000 years ago, were there any people in America? Well, we weren't even a nation. So Christianity is not a Western religion. It's a worldwide religion. Why? Because everybody's a sinner. So you'll get people to go like that. Just, Just keep your Western stuff in the United States. No, it's for you. It's for everybody. Notice then he says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So become a convert, work on discipleship. What's the first step? Well, the first step after you become a Christian is to baptize them. And here's the formula. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, period. Is there a period there? No, there's a what? That means there's more to follow. This is the problem with the church. Here's what we think Christianity is. Accept Jesus Christ, come down to an altar, Go to our prayer room, watch your Billy Graham crusade, kneel down, become a Christian. Awesome. Ask God to come in your heart. Repent. Terrific. Next thing, I got water baptized. Praise God. See you, Pastor Mark. Well, are you going to come to church? Well, yeah, I'll be there a couple times a year, Christmas and, uh, and Easter. Oh, really? And, and they'll, they'll say something like this to me. You know, it's, it's really stretching me this year because Christmas and Easter are really close, like three months. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's not a period there. That's not to stop. Then what do I do with my life? This is the discipleship. And then Jesus says, teach them to obey what they like. No, everything that I have suggested to you. No, that I commanded you. That's what you're doing here this morning. And surely, by the way, while you do all this process, I'll be with you. I'll be empowering you. I'll be changing your life. Now, that means that we're to obey these things, the commands God gave. What is water baptism? Jesus did as example for us. Water baptism is a public outward testimony that gives evidence of an inner change. An inner change that has already occurred in a believer's life when they were born again through faith in Jesus Christ. So when I'm water baptized... It's an outward 
evidence of what has already taken place spiritually in my life. Notice the next statement. Baptism, those of you that have a wedding ring, take a look at it. Baptism is like a wedding ring. It's an outward symbol of a commitment that you already made. You, you said to your husband or former, previous, before you were even married, you, you said to this person, you get ready to marry husband or wife, man, I love you. And then you bought the wedding ring. The commitment was already there. So what I'm saying, what are you saying this morning? Remember I told you you have to forget some of the stuff you learned in your past? Here's one of the things you learn. That water baptism saves people. No, water baptism never saves people. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Look at Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through water baptism. No, through his, through his blood. For the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So don't get uptight about it. Notice the statement right above this. The only way you receive forgiveness of sin and gift of eternal life is through a personal acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So by faith, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart. Then what's happened in my heart, I publicly proclaim by obeying God and being water baptized. Water baptism is not a personal choice. It's a command to be obeyed. Let me simply ask you this morning, right now, have you obeyed this command and been baptized in water. Now you can give me all the excuses you want. I don't like water. I don't like salt water. I don't like fresh water. I don't like chlorine water. Whatever. That's not the issue. This is not a choice. This is a command. And by the way, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I was, I was baptized when I was, well, two. Or as a baby, I was sprinkled. That's cool. But it's useless. How dare you? When I dedicated that little young boy this morning, did did you know I talked to him initially? Uh, Excuse me, girl. (laughs) There was a boy in the first service. When I I dedicated that little girl, do you notice I talked to her right at the beginning? I said this. Why not confess your sins to me? Let's hear them right now. (laughs) And she was pretty silent when I asked her to confess her sins. I mean, she didn't give me one. She's really good. No, she couldn't confess my sins. Later, we we understand from, in the book of Acts, Peter says this. They say, man, we need to become a Christian. What should we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. You can't repent at two, at five days. So what do you mean? If you haven't been water baptized after you personally asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then you must be. That doesn't work. Because at two, whoever sprinkled you, dedicated, did whatever, doesn't matter, didn't do any good to you. Well, Pastor Mark, then what happens to that child? Here's what we believe the Bible teaches. When a child is born until the age of accountability, and nobody really can define that. It's different for every child. Could be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Jewish people's around twelve, thirteen. Till that person understands what it means to really repent and accept Jesus Christ. We believe that God's grace, let's say they would die at the age of three. God's grace covers them because they didn't know. And they go right to heaven. You say, well, show that to me biblically. Okay. David's son in the Old Testament. When David's baby died, here's what David said. That son can't come to me any longer. But one day, I'm going to him. So when a baby, even before in a womb, 
miscarriage, all the way to whatever age. When they die, God's grace covers them. That's a great, great comfort to know that they're in the arms of Jesus. They didn't have a chance to. God's gracious. But now when you become adult, you can't tell me at 19 you can't understand this stuff. And so you must obey. Let me make a bold statement to you. Water baptism is not salvation, but it is a command. If you have not been water baptized, you are disobeying God. Not me, not the church. There were no churches. God, be baptized. Number five reason. Jesus was baptized to simply obey God. You see, Jesus obeyed his father. He willingly submitted, went to the Jordan. Even though he was sinless, he showed his submission by his immediate and complete obedience. I have this written in my Bible, and I'll encourage you to write it in your Bible. Three ways to be blessed by God. Three ways to be blessed by God. Write it down now and then transfer it somewhere in the Bible that will remind you. Number one, do what he says. Do what he says. Number two, do it how he says. Don't argue with him. I don't want to do Just do it how he says. This is exactly what Jesus did. And number three, do it when he says. So if I want to be blessed by God, it's about obedience. Do what he says. Do it how he says. And number three, do it when he says. If you practice that, wow, will your life be blessed. Verse 16. As soon as Jesus obeyed, he did all these things, what, how, and when. As soon as Jesus obeyed, notice, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. Can you imagine that? Wow. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. The dove is a... A symbol of the Holy Spirit. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. We see that obedience pleases God. You know, this morning, I want to tell you from your heavenly father, God is pleased with you. He said, Pastor Mark, uh, not this week. No, God's pleased with you because you're here. You're learning. You want to do right. Don't ever believe that God's angry at you and mad at you. You know, as we abide in him, he abides in us. God is pleased with you this morning. And it's a wonderful thing to know that I can please God. And then when I don't, I just ask forgiveness. And that pleases God because I'm obeying. And the first time... In 400 years, there's, other than this prophet of John the Baptist who just started, there's this audible voice of God. In fact, those verses 16 and 17, I don't have time this morning, but they quote two Old Testament scriptures relating how pleased God is with his son. I told you, if if we obey God, amazing things happen in our life. We can see and experience things. Here's the first thing. Because Jesus obeyed, we see the miracle of the Trinity. Really, for man, 
This is the first time we've seen anything like this. The Bible clearly teaches that though there is only one true God, he is manifested in three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the church has come up with the term Trinity. You can't find Trinity in the Bible. This is the church deal, just to explain it. Now, do I understand that? No. Do you understand it? No. How can there be one God in three distinct persons? It's beyond, and we try all kinds of things. You know, you take water and you make it steam, then you make it ice water. You take an egg and it's a shell and the yolk and the white. I mean, we, great, great illustrations, lots of good stuff for the kids. And the bottom line, can you understand it? No. By the way, anybody here, can you understand everything of God? No, because he's beyond imagination. We, we can't even think like God. I mean, here's one. You, you say that, well, I understand the Trinity. Well, number one, you're a liar. There's no way. And number two, let me give you one to work on this afternoon if you do. God has always been. Chew on that one this afternoon. No start. No start. No start. A big bang. No. There was no big bang. If there was, before the big bang. Well, how'd he get here? Always has been. Don't call the office. We can't help you with that either. <laughs> now, so that, that shouldn't confuse us. Because right here, visually, John the Baptist, Jesus, and any others that could see it, we don't know exactly who saw it. We have a perfect representation, a perfect picture. If you could snap it, you would see it. It's the Holy Spirit descending on the Son. And then a voice from heaven says, hey, terrific. You know, this voice from heaven, what do you think God's voice sounded like in verse 17? This is my Son, whom I love. you got to sound like God, don't you? Well, what if God's from Georgia? This is my son whom I well placed. <laughs> we, we don't know what God's voice sounds like. All you want to hear is the words. And we see it. It's incredible. Write this down by the verse. Verse 17 and 16. Just write this down. We see the unity. And the other word you want to write is the diversity of the Trinity. We see the unity and the diversity. Every member of the Trinity is working together in unity, but they function different. What is God doing today? God governs the whole world. He's in charge of the whole world. God the Son redeems the world. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, the book of Revelation says, and he's interceding for you and I. Well, where's the Holy Spirit? God the Father is governing the world. God the Son is redeeming the world and interceding for us. He's in heaven. Where's the Holy Spirit? Well, he's on earth. When Jesus came, back, went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit came. So we see those three beautifully together. And by the reason the Holy Spirit's here is to convict and give us power. We'll see that in a moment. The next miracle we see is this. Because Jesus obeyed, we not only see the Trinity. He was filled with the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. Now, you got to get this next statement. Let me just, let me make a statement to you. For some of you this morning, this is like, well, this teaching's like spinach. Like, give me something easy. What is this Trinity stuff in the back of the... If you don't have a foundation, you will never grow in your walk. So he, when we, I don't do this a lot, but when... Some of you go, like, this is doctrine, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I don't like doctrine. 
you don't understand doctrine, you'll end up in a cult. For instance, this morning, the Mormon church. We talked about it Wednesday night, if you want to get the tape. Mormon people are wonderful people. They're totally deceived. You know the fastest growing religion in the United States? Totally deceived. You know what they believe God the Father is? Listen. Their God, in their doctrine, was one day a man. And he lived on another planet. And he was good enough that they promoted him to God. And by the way, he's married. This is a Mormon God. This is not the God of the Bible. Jehovah Witness, exactly the same. So why do we have to teach doctrine? Because you'll be deceived by it. Can you imagine having a God that worked his way up to senior God? That kind of a God could get fired like Enron. And then we have no God. Now we laugh, but those people are totally deceived. Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. Hello. Wrong. So the reason we take this time is to chew a little bit on stuff. Is so when you go and you see it, you go, uh-uh, you're exactly right. When Jesus came to earth, he came to earth as a man. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and he dwelt among us. Now, when he came to earth, he, just get this, it's hard for him to understand. He didn't lose his divinity. He was still God. He was still God in every way. And yet, he was also fully man. He cried, he wept, he got tired, he thirsted. So what does that mean? Well, since Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was sinless. But when he came to this earth, he didn't depend on his divinity part. He put his divinity, Philippians 2 says, aside. And Jesus could only operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, watch this. Before Jesus could take one step in the ministry, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes on him. And use whatever terms you want. Okay, baptism, the Holy Spirit, spirit for life, anointing is a good term. In the old days, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came on certain people for certain things. And you would kind of know what a king would be anointed with God's wisdom and power. And the oil would flow over him. By the way, the oil is a, is a principle of the Holy Spirit. And so, before Jesus can begin one day, this is the start of his ministry. He has to obey. He's water baptized. He identifies with man. God comes down and goes, you obeyed me. That's great. And then he anoints him. He fills Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Then he is absolutely able to now minister. If that doesn't happen, he can't minister. Now, if he put his God side into effect, sure he could minister. But he sets it aside. Why? To show us we can't minister. We don't have a God side to put into operation. I just have a man's side, and I need God. Get that in your mind. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark addressed a common misconception regarding Christianity. We learned that the belief system of baptism being the final step of the Christian faith couldn't be farther from the truth. In our message, Pastor Mark emphasized the importance of growth and discipleship in our daily lives. Once we become a Christian, we have a whole new life ahead of us, as we learned in today's study. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark addresses the importance of relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes in our lives we feel that our attempts at improvement and growth don't quite match our goals. But as we'll learn in our next message, when we rely on the empowerment of the Spirit, our goals, improvements, even our ministries succeed abundantly. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world a new hope he is given